Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Common Kaisers. I'm your host, Chrissy, and joining me, as always, is... Ariane Hinojosa. How you doing, man? I'm doing really good. I'm glad to be back here in the United States, the U.S. and A, drinking uh, <laughs> Coke Zeros instead of Strong Zeros. <laughs> is that what they're called over there? No, Strong Zeros are... Um, there are sodas with alcohol. Think of like Zimas. Oh, good Lord, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah. So those are very uh, e- easy. Easy. It's That's the thing about Japan. Uh, alcohol is cheap and good. Yeah. Were you double hooking it over there? What's that? Oh, my Were you God. double oh, hooking it over there? Uh, every night in, in the hotel room, the hotel had a bath. So every night I would have like a hot bath with like mm-hmm. uh, with a Sapporo or whatever. And just kind of like, ah, oh, this is my life. This is ah, oh, great. Yeah, but, during... uh, enough, enough about that. First. Let's, let's, <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, here we're here this week for a fantastic movie that I love dearly that I saw back in 2012. Actually, actually, no, I think I saw it in 2011 because that's God going on 12 years ago now. Uh, at the LA Film Festival, it was one of their, uh, you know, their showings. I managed to get in because at the time. I was running a little news website and used my press credentials to get in for absolutely nothing. Oh, yeah. What was the crowd like? This is 2011, 2012. So this is right before Pacific Rim? Yes, this is a year before Pacific Rim. So the Kaiju uh, renaissance has not begun yet. Um, In fact, it's kind of, this is towards what I would call the tail end of the. of the dead zone between 2004 and 2014, at least no 2013. We start with Pacific Rim. Um, so I mean, you didn't have much in offerings. You had Cloverfield, which, and then uh, Ultraman was kind of keeping, you know, the the flames burning. They we I mean we had one really fantastic Ultraman movie in there, which was uh, Ultra Galaxy uh, Big Battle. Oh right, right. Which I love that movie. That kind of rekindled my love for Ultraman. I remember watching that and going, "It's like, man, this is like an Avengers Ultraman movie. This is this is this is fantastic. Like, there's production quality and like just all kinds of shit was going down. So, um, so yeah. So at that point, like, there wasn't like a lot of this stuff. There was we were, you know. We hadn't quite reached the peak of like remaking everything yet, and things were still like, you know, Marvel Mania hadn't really. I mean, we were we were building to it, but we hadn't reached the Avengers yet. It wasn't at that that epic stage, if you will. We're still a year off from that. We were in the year of Thor and Captain America. So the biggest thing was Batman. Batman was going on. Um. So anyway, go into this. I. Went into it mostly because of who the director was. And who's uh, the director? Uh, uh, Noboru Iguchi, who is best known out here for uh, his movie called Machine Girl, which was uh, released as part of this label called uh, Sushi Typhoon. Actually, I think it was this might. Yeah. So I think that was the first thing out of that label, which was a, a Nikatsu sub arm, which was making these kind of over-the-top um, splatter films 
that were made in Japan, but specifically being marketed to the Western audience. Because at that point, like the underground scene of like collecting movies had like reached its apex. A lot of stuff was being uh, uh, bootlegged onto DVD. This was still in an age when, um, you know, like BitTorrent was still the king. And even then it was like people were really picking and choosing what they're seating up there. So you still had to go find bootleg dealers to uh, to get like, you know, underground stuff or like older stuff from like the 80s and 90s that hadn't exactly officially hopped over yet. So they this company saw potential in this in, you know, this market and they were plotting to make like seven or eight films. And the final film was supposed to be directed by Takashi Miike. That never came to be. They did get a CN Sono movie in there called Coldfish under this label. Um, but the rest of the movies were things like uh, Mutant Girl Squad, uh, Alien, uh, Ninjas versus Aliens. There was... Was Yakuza oh, Weapon on that? Yakuza Weapon was one yeah. of those, which is was on the, the trailer on this DVD. And um, Deadball. Deadball was another one. So Hell, Hell Driver, I think, was another. Hell Driver was another. Yes, yeah. Hell Driver was another one, which I think uh, Iguchi worked on as in like an effects. No shit. Form. No. Yeah. So, uh, and a lot of the people were like swapping, you know, swapping around like roles in these films. Like it was a lot of the same same cast members, a lot of the uh, same effects teams. These were uh, done on very minuscule budgets. A lot of them were shot on film. Uh, uh, now that's not saying this, this one actually looked like it was shot like on film, like it was not shot on video. Uh, but there are, you know, points you can tell like very, very small budget, but for this crop of films, it looks like it had the biggest budget out of them, which isn't saying much. Um, there are some gems. There are some legitimate gems in those, those movies like Tokyo Gore Police and whatnot. Um, I think that's which the most would, famous one, right? Tokyo yeah, Gore Police? Yeah. Exactly. I, that's that's arguably that and Machine Girl, I think they're the two most famous out of, out of that uh, this series. So um, so Aguchi's pretty much at this point known for directing like modern Piku films, uh, like straight up like adult movies. Like he was doing, he had like a whole line of adult films and he was dipping his toe into like more mainstream feature stuff. So when you watch, you know, a couple of his movies, you knew what you were getting, like Mutant Girl Squad and, and Machine Girl. Over the top, Evil Dead 2 level, like blood gore, like just blood spurting everywhere. It's, you know, it's brightly colored. There's um, it's all makeup effects. It's all kind of gross out humor over the top gore. But it's fun. It's just a good, fun time. Like, it doesn't care. <laughs> he really doesn't. He's all about kind of, like, pushing the envelope. But in a way that's, I mean, it's not tasteful, but it's also not aggressive. This isn't, you know, he's not making, like, 123 Days of Sodom or anything like that. So, he, <laughs> so when I saw that he has a new movie coming out, and it's called, you know, Karate World Zabogart, and I just see this big, you know, robot-looking thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm down for that. At the time, not knowing at all, because this, I mean, Z Zabogart, uh, which, you know, this is a re 
I wouldn't exactly call this a remake per se, but it kind of is. Um, it's more actually more in line with like the Shin films of 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 late, where especially more like Shin Ultraman, where it's kind of like a weird remix of what the original show was, but doing its own thing. And again, had no idea about this original show. I think I might have seen like pictures of it or something, but didn't realize it was based on anything until at, until the movie ends, which we'll get to in a little bit. But when I sat in that theater, I took my buddy with me. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Like I got up, I'm like, my I blown away by the quality of it, by just how much I had fun with it. Because by that point, I've seen like like four or five of these these um, sushi typhoon movies, and your your enjoyment's going to vary. But this this was something different. This was, I dare say, it was probably Aguchi's most mature work, and not in the sense of like there's you know TNA all over the place, but like he's legitimately trying to tell a a a, a solid great movie. He's showing some restraint on things and letting you know the other portion of his of his. Um, interest fly in other areas and this was based on a kid's film so clearly i i must or a kid series so i'm assuming he was a fan of this show growing up because this thing is made with such love so the crowd actually ate it up because it's so it's it's completely bonkers it was a pretty packed house like it wasn't sold out but people like this i mean this is the la film festival it's not one of the more premier fest but you know you're it's a lot of the programming is, you know, more artsy film. So this felt like more like counter programming than anything else. And I had a blast and I couldn't wait to own this on DVD. Uh, it took like another year and a half since I saw it before I finally got it on Blu-ray. But that being said, I, I recommend, I was telling everybody I could about this movie. I'm like, you got to watch this. This is some, this is wild. This is awesome. And upon this rewatch, cause it's been a minute since I rewatched it. That sentiment holds up exceptionally well. Have you ever watched this before? I did. Um, I was shown this by uh, Edward Holland from Monster Attack Team back when we used to do the magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and he was good friends with Tuck Sakaguchi from, uh, from Yakuza Weapon. And most famously, Versus, probably one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and I'd love to talk about Versus later on, but... Uh, oh, that's going to be... We're going to put that on the list when, if, down the road. Um, and I was... I, I have never seen an episode of uh, Dungeons of Bogar, but Edward was hu huge. He's like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, P Productions, you know, they, they did Spectraman and, you know, all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, great, I'm in. Um, so he showed this to me on DVD in 2012, 2011, about that time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, like, this is, like, like we, we briefly talked about earlier, uh, there is, a, you know, the second half uh, takes a turn. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't expecting that because this movie plays exactly like uh, an episode of, of a late 70s Tokusatsu show. You know, the, you have really dark themes going on and if you if you're just watching it uh, on first glance, you just watch it and you just you know you're not really paying attention. You don't pick up on the things that are going on, like 
oh no, this is like heavy stuff. It's like, especially with Miss um, Borg, you know, mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, you know, but you know, you'll, I liked it a lot the first time I saw it. And, and again, I haven't seen it until um, this morning as well. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this is this still holds up. And again, why aren't more people talking about this? So that's what well, we sadly, it flew under the radar, but that's why we do this show. We talk about stuff that, you know, people might have never seen or never even heard of. So, again, one of those, this is one of those I tell people, like, if you love this, this kind of stuff, like, I've, I've given it, I've recommended it to people who are like, I like Ultraman. I, you know, I want to, you know, get more into this kind of stuff. I'm like, here, you need to watch this. And uh, I got friends who are deep into horror. I'm like, maybe check this out. This, this, this is the guy that, you know, did machine girl and stuff they're like oh okay and nine out of ten like i get people come back like that was not what i was expecting but in like a very good way which is a great testament to like kind of how universal this movie if if you are into this stuff it will speak to you in many ways but as a movie that stands on its own like i kind of went i went into this blind and again i was blown away by just some of the themes and stuff we're going to get into in a minute. But I was, again, like I said earlier, like this is a one of Iguchi's like most like mature works, like his directing chops really come out and he wrote the screenplay too. And it's a very, it's a damn good screenplay. Like it is, this movie balances a lot of things and it's spinning a lot of plates. And I do feel like it lands, it sticks to landing very, very well. So how would you describe this movie in a short movie? It is a raunchy. It's a raunchy tokusatsu. Uh, it's it's a raunchy tokusatsu movie. That's the best way I can put it. With heart, that's how I would. It's a raunchy tokusatsu movie with heart. That's how I would. Uh, that's how I would describe this. How about um, uh, how about full metal alchemist means common writer. Oh, you want something? Oh, to like give people something like ah, I would put um, this would be uh, man, you put me on the spot on this one. I would say this is more like if uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs meets This Is Forty. I like that. I like that the Paul Rudd movie. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like Especially that. considering where it goes, yeah, I think I, I feel like that's very apt. <clears throat> so you want to get you want to start digging into this thing? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's start. Okay, so right off the bat, it, it's you know very sleek. It's very. It looks like it starts off. You see a guy put on his helmet and he walks to his bike, and it looks like the opening of *Common uh, Rider Black* or mm -hmm. a, a mid '90s dark hero movie. It's got it's backlit. There's a fan spinning. You know, yeah. it's in it's in some sort of he's in some sort of abandoned factory. You know, it's an industrial space of some sort. And a lady by the name of Miss Borg, who is how do I describe her? She looks like the uh, you ever seen Gamera's uh, Virus? Yes. <laughs> yes. She looks like one of those aliens. Um, she looks like more, that. With a little bit of the uh, the, the uh, Guren girls, yes, 
mixed in like her costume is like an hologram of that, but more of much you. more skin showing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just put it that way. And uh, she is she attacks a group of men. Uh, looks like they are politicians, prime minister, mm -hmm. something. And uh, sorry, I'm a loss. One second, let me get my notes out. Well, she, yeah, she attacks and kidnaps them, and she has this, uh, she takes them to a space where she has this big samurai looking uh, cyborg. Whose name is? Did you get the name? Uh, no, I'm, I'm damn, I, I didn't write down the name on that one because I was so obsessed with the name of the other one. It was uh, Karate's, one second. It's a, it's a, it's a kissing samurai robot. That's you gotta know. With these gigantic, almost cartoonish lips, like they take up like half this thing's head. Uh, like this thing stands like seven foot tall, and it's got just these big, pursy lips. And Miss Borg reveals her plan that she's going to steal the DNA of all of these politicians to power uh, this super weapon that her boss is building. And so the cyborg kisses, like it just literally, it's almost like a Bugs Bunny kiss, like it yes. envelops their whole face and like sucks their life force out, kind of just leaving them dead. It's, it's the, it is the most cartoonish thing you've ever seen. And this movie's telling you right off the bat, if you're not on board with this, to, you know, jump off the train right now. So the samurai robot starts kissing a couple of these guys one runs away, and right before I believe that's the prime minister. That's the soon-to-be prime minister. Soon-to-be, thank you. Yeah. Uh, right, right before he, he's about to plant a kiss, uh, you hear "Change the Bogar." This guy yells out, and then a robot comes out from the. You see a silhouette of a robot with, uh, I guess, bullhorns or something. Mm -hmm. And then in plays the intro theme song, while for these two. <laughs> While these two robots go at it. And yeah, you know what this reminded me of? What is that? Uh, this reminded me very much in, in the vein of a movie we just talked about. Hideki uh, um, Anno's Cutie Honey, where they're recreating the opening. And this opening is very much in vain just in every like beat because, you know, Anno's adapting an anime into live action movie and Iguchi's. Uh, essentially just remaking this show in, you know, this old, this old show. And he's using the original theme. The credits are rolling over this awesome uh, robot battle between Zabogar and uh, this giant kissing samurai robot. Meanwhile, so his, his writer, his name's Daimo. And uh, while uh, Zabogar and this robot are thrown down, uh, Daimo, you know, he's trying to he's there to rescue the prime minister and he takes on Miss Borg and her minions. So we, we see that Daimo can hold his own in a fight. And it's as the credits are rolling, it's ridiculous nonsense, but in the best way. Like he's throwing he's yelling his attack moves as he's telling Zabogar to do attack. So he's got this helmet that has this gigantic microphone on the head. And he commands Zabogar just like uh, uh, um, Johnny like Sacco commands uh, uh, Giant Robo. Yeah. And, yeah. And so Zabogar, he's like, Zabogar, 
like hurricane kick. And you just see Zamagor like do this jump. He's he launches this little car, the, this car that transforms out of his boots. Uh, he's blasting. He's got a machine gun built into his head, and it's just and it's all done in in like with modern tokusatsu effects. Like it's all suits. It's uh you know some enhanced by CGI. Not too much. It, no, not yeah. not too much. Like the sparks are still coming off the suit. Stuff like yeah. that. Uh, Daimo's beating the crap out of the, uh, the the minions, who we find all work for this secret evil organization called Sigma, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great name. <laughs> I love it. No, I love. What's, what's great is their uh, their flying base that looks like a ball. It looks like a like a pair of testicles with a, yeah, with it, a castle. Okay, yeah. Oh my god. So. This straight. completely yeah. straight. Okay. Completely straight. Yeah, no one. No one winks at the camera. Film. No one's. No. no yeah, there's no wink. Film. There's no. There's no tongue in cheek whatsoever. This is the thing. I what when people do uh, satire. This is how you do it well. This is why I've. You know, I was just having this conversation with my brother a couple days ago. Why the Naked Gun movies work versus like all these other you know, like parody films and why they don't work. The Naked Gun, when you go and watch those Naked Gun movies and even the original show, the police uh, uh, police story or uh, police squad, everybody is playing every role as straight and as serious as they can. And they let the ridiculous situation be the comedy. And that's exactly the tone that this movie gets. And it, it hammers it so perfectly there is never one moment where people are like uh-huh yeah we, we know this is dumb we're having a dumb like that's where a lot of these newer films that tried to mix comedy and horror especially when they're trying to like recreate the the glory days of the 80s with those movies that are like so bad but they're good because and you love them but the problem is is that people trying to recreate them today don't understand what made them so good is the fact that these filmmakers, I mean, yes, a lot of them knew they were low budget. They were, you know, they're kind of dealing with some ridiculous ideas, but it was played straight. It was played straight, and it might not, they might not have been aiming for comedy, but it, the charm comes off. And because you know everyone is earnest in, in what they're doing here. And that's exactly the tone of this film, right off, the, like in the opening credits. So, Zabogar and Daimo, uh, uh, defeat Sigma, police roll in, oh, you know, guns drawn, and uh, Miss Borg realizes she she got all but one of the DNA that she needed for her mission and escapes into the uh, the Sigma Fortress, the flying pair of balls that are <laughs> floating above this warehouse where they're fighting in. And uh, the uh, the politician that managed to survive uh, is very miffed that he was put in such a situation. Chews out the police, chews out Daimo, says, you know, none of you can do your jobs right, and kind of, you know, huffs off. We get our first, like, real feel of Daimo, and he is that classic, hot-blooded, um, like, 70s tokusatsu and anime, like, hero, like... He is all the things that uh, 
that you know they aim to kids like he is he he lives for justice and he lives for um he lives for righteousness and he is 100% in on his uh his quest to defeat sigma and he's he's such a boy scout at it too like this guy's like in his early 20s at this point but he's the main he's almost like in in the main detective who is he looks familiar who is he he is uh let me i'm right here the main detective is uh uh hiroyuki watanabe who was in he was in gmk right he was in, yes he was yeah he, uh, he okay. was yeah he was there oh, and he was in gamma as well oh of he course. just and it, apparently he just passed away last year too yeah so he was also in garo he was in uh common rider gal common rider dano uh he, he's been in tons of things right 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 at the end of this scene is he says a line where where uh, Daimon is is going off about justice or whatever, and I'll never forgive you, Sigma. And it zooms mm-hmm. in to to our main detective, and then just he just says the lines. That guy has a lot of problems. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Like, that lets you know as the audience that like, yeah, everything like w- you you know exactly what you're watching with when you're watching a movie called Karate Robo Zabogar. Yeah. Uh, so now that we cut to our main uh, villain's hideout, the mm. testicles in the sky, and I see uh, a, a lineup of henchmen, and uh, all were augmented, but they're augmented yes. like a 1970s Tokusatsu show. Like the effects are, I mean, they're purposely done to match the quality of the show back in the 70s. Like there's very little like upgrading. There's a dude with, with uh, ping pong eyes for a ball, ping pong balls for eyes, and I was like, no, no way. <laughs> and there Again, he is, dude. he's just he's just there. Completely ridiculous. We find these are the generals of Sigma under the um, under the tutelage of uh, oh god, what was the the doc, uh, doctor um. Uh, oh, Dr. Uh, Akunu, uh, I'm going to uh, butcher this, Akuno uh, Mia, Akuno Mia, who is the head of Sigma. And we find, you know, he is berating uh, Miss Borg for failing in her mission to get everyone because he reveals what he's using the DNA for. They're building this gigantic super mech for world domination purposes. Like he wants to destroy the world. Like that is his, that is his MO. And so the other generals just mock Miss Borg. Cause she's the only woman in this, in this troop. They give her like, it is it, like, they are completely sexist, chauvinistic. Uh, they start like beating on her. Like you could, you see Miss Borg is, you know, she's evil, but, you feel for her a little bit because she's she's a woman trying to make it in a man's world. Sure. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Which uh, she, you know, she, you know, she swears uh, to uh, her boss and uh, the rest of it. She's like, no, I will complete my mission. You, you know, I will show all of you that, you know, I'm not worthless, which, you know, leaves her kind of like she's angry at men. You've, and she's got good reason to be. 
So we cut to uh, Diamo training, and he's doing the most ridiculous karate you've ever seen. Like he's doing these high kicks, he's breaking trees. Quote unquote karate. Yeah, whatever you can call this as karate. And he's training with Zabogar, by the way. So he's up there training with his robot. His robot's doing his own thing. He's like doing all these flying kicks, high kicks, punches, all all shot. Like this whole thing is shot like a Sam Raimi, like an early Sam Raimi movie. Just these hard cuts. It's all exquisitely done. <laughs> That's when uh, the uh, the detectives from earlier show up and they offer. Oh no no uh, no! They don't. They they show up, guns out, shooting. Oh, and they start to fight. That's right. They just start opening fire on him. And he dodges all the goddamn bullets. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we just the need first, to see if you're... The first, yeah, the first things they say is like, we wanted to see how good your reflexes are. And you're like, no, no. He dodges him like Neo dodges bullets. It's so ridiculous, but it's so awesome. And, uh, you know, they they offer him a position, you know, in the, uh, the secret uh, on, police, right? On the, in the secret police, yeah, as you know, the mm. which mm. is like Interpol, like any of these, you know, anytime there's a secret world dominating organization, there's always some sort of Interpol agency that deals with it. <laughs> so they want to offer him. He's like, no, no, no. I, he's like, I appreciate the offer, but he's like, my lust for for justice is too strong. And they're like, oh, well, what happened? Well- He's got this like wavy hair, like this horrible wig, this horrible like. Because he <laughs> looks like every seventies dude in Japan, who all Slightly had the off. had, the, yeah, the hair that's not long, not too long, but just long enough. You're like, what? What's going on? It's very um. Oh, what what? Storebot. <laughs> it's definitely storebot, yeah, because that's not his real hair, but it looks like it looks like it. He walked out of his. He, when he moves, the hair doesn't. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's blatantly a wig. It's it, but it's great. It just adds so. It adds to the cartoonishness of his character because this he's such a Boy Scout, and he explains why he doesn't exactly want to join, and why he has this un, unending quest to defeat Sigma, and we go into the backstory, his tragic backstory. <laughs> His father, who was a great scientist, and uh, but not a great family man, uh, turns out when he started, you know, he he was building, he created a a new element that is eventually much like, much, you know, much like Koji's dad or Koji's grandfather in Mazinger, you know, who creates, you know, uh, element Z. You know, it's like this is a brand new element. You know, this is a brand new element. It's stronger than anything. It it will advance science. You know, like by a hundred years. You know, all all the same sci-fi tropes that we, that that you know we have in these shows. And it turns out he's a really bad husband and a bad dad. So when we find out when Daimo was born, he had a twin brother, and their mother passed away during childbirth. So he was left to raise his sons. How does, how does, um, okay, clearly, well, so, you, so we, how does, how does his brother die, Chris? His brother dies because his dad was such a dad and taking on the responsibilities of being both mother and father 
and his dad breastfeeds his brother. And Daimon's telling this whole story, and he even says, he's like, I'm not sure if male breast milk is even a thing. And if it is, I'm not sure that's what killed my brother, but he eventually got sick and passed away, leaving him. And it left his father devastated. And in that stead, he vowed to be a bit, you know, he kind of threw himself back into his work. And in doing so, he built uh, Zabogar. But that's when we find out, you know, uh, the evil doctor uh, that starts Sigma, one of the element for his own gains, ends up killing his father and uh, leaving, you know, Oh, Di oh, let's set up a scene. They are, Daimon is outside with mm. his beautiful wig. He's he's doing a kata or something. He's doing like some sort of train, martial arts training with other martial artists. And the sky gets slightly darker. And his, his classmates point out to Daimon, hey, isn't that your father up there? And they all <laughs> point to the, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Explain the whole thing. Lay it out. Lay it out. Hmm. While our evil mastermind is 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 uh, offering uh, Mr. Diamond's dad to join Sigma, and he refuses. He's he's sitting down in a chair, and <laughs> he's sitting down in a dark room, and all you see is uh, two lights behind him go off, and there's these two sweaty dudes, sweaty shirtless dudes with drills on their arms. Stand up and grab and grab Dr. Daimon. Hold on. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. They start torturing him because they want they want the they want the torturing him. Torturing again, a subtle joke. I completely forgot about when I was watching this. I was laughing my ass off. So he's he's in a suit, he's disheveled because he's been beaten and captured. And so they tell him, they're like, we're going to torture you until you give us the formula for, you know, this, this new element. He's wearing a shirt. And they can't get past the shirt, so they use the drill to break the shirt away before they could even do anything. It was such a small joke, but it's so absolutely brilliant. It's played, like, <laughs> they have to break through his, his, his button-up collared shirt before they can do anything. And then... Then they start torturing him by electrocuting his nipples. Torturing. By electrocuting his what? They electrocute his nipples. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so the entire time. Him. The entire time. He's like, no, anywhere but there. Like, oh. You hear a little hee-hee-hee. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're watching this movie, and you're just like, I don't know what my – because I'm watching the movie straight until – Oh right, <laughs> it's 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 gonna be like that for us movie, isn't it? Yes, this is exactly this is the point where the movie tells you this is exactly what it's going to be. So buckle the f up. <laughs> so now we cut back to outside where uh, Diamond is, is, like I said, training with his friends, and they point up to this to the giant testicles in the sky, and they go, "Isn't that your dad up there?" And you go, "Oh my." Oh my God, it is. So these two sweaty dudes with drills on their arms are holding them back, torturing them. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Diamond's dad is like, you know what? Enough of this. I'm not. I'm not a part of this. Straight up mm -hmm. just dives from the fortress in the sky down to, mm -hmm. down to earth. And uh, 
That's that's the end of the doctor. I believe he blows up midway. They they fire on him. They blow him up midair. Like his dad just kind of rains down on him. So he finds so uh Diamond uh is it Di- Diamond? Yeah, call Diamond, Diamond. Right? Just call him Diamond. Yeah. It's D-A-I-M-O-N. That's how I, I, I'm, unless I'm butchering the name, someone will tell me. Um, so Diamond finds Zabulgar, finds that his father left him the instructions. Oh, he, no, it's, no. As soon as he walks into his, his lab, a video pops up and he goes like, Diamond, mm-hmm. this is your brother. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So essentially he rebuilt his, re- rebuilt his brother as Zabulgar. That's your brother's DNA. <laughs> He will. <laughs> you fight with him, and whatever you do, defeat Sigma, destroy Sigma. <laughs> Completely. Again, straight. it's almost like it's almost like it's out of Mega Man. It's like out of Mega Man X. Like he's Doctor Light popping, popping up, telling him like, "Here's your mission. Go defeat." Ironically, Sigma. Go defeat Sigma. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, complete, and, completely straight. Exactly like you would see it in a late seventies Tokusatsu show. From yes. Toei or P Production. You must, you must avenge. You must avenge me. That's, yes. And thus drives his passion for 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 justice and revenge. So now, so now that you know the players of the game, now we move forward a, a little bit forward in time, uh, where our hero is is uh, gets a notification or something. He gets a, like a bell saying that the prime minister again has been captured, right? Yes, the soon-to-be prime minister has been captured once more. And Miss Borg right. is trying to complete her mission. And we cut to, once again, much like every 70s tokusatsu show, there's a quarry, and outside in that quarry, there's an abandoned building of some sort. And in this abandoned building is the uh, soon-to-be prime minister and his mistress. And this guy is completely appalled that he's been kidnapped once again. And is throwing the mistress under the bus. Like, just a real... Like, you see, this guy is a true scumbag. He's a scumbag politician. And he has no bones about it. He's a coward. And uh, there's a... Miss Borg is disgusted by him. Miss Borg is disgusted by him. By men yes. in general. But especially this guy. And she feels terrible for this poor girl. So she introduces her latest, uh, the her latest cyborg, which is I will let you do the honors. Diarrhea robot. That is the legitimate name of this thing. It's a giant ant robot. Well, not giant. It's like human. Well, it's it's yeah. it's well. I mean, it's a giant ant, but it's a For robot a with uh, <laughs> with pliers. In the middle of his face, like uh, it's it's got like, yeah, it's got like a sh- it's got like the Shogun helmet like crest. That's its antenna. It's got a big thorax, and it spits acid. And they're going to use this robot to melt down the prime the this politician and get his DNA. When uh, Diamond and Zabulgar show up to uh, save the day. Here's the thing. All the scene. This is like the scene for oh, Zabulgar. Hold on. On the way to the is a man in warehouse. Mm-hmm. He's, Diamond and Zabulgar are are on a on a bike chase scene fighting these goons. That's right. And anytime they catch up with a goon, 
they just run them over. Like, it's like, no fine. You just like run them over, turn the, turn the bike back around, run them over again. And then just to make sure, just to make sure the guy stays down, they run over this empty body of a dummy. All the while, the theme song to the original show is playing triumphantly in the back. It's that classic tokusatsu like theme, like trumpets. It's just a lot of like big band style. It's very bombastic. It's 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 uh it's the blood boiling theme that you want. <laughs> so they show up, and uh uh, so, you know, a fight is about to ensue when um the rest of the uh, Sigma cronies show up because uh. They were told, you know, they were there to make sure Miss Board does not mess up. But it turns out they have even more sinister intentions. This is how much they do not like her or like women in general, that they were going to let her do all the work and they were going to steal all the glory. And thus gets her completely rip shit. So she starts turning on these guys. And this gigantic, ridiculous fight ensues. So Zabogar is now taking on the diarrhea robot. They're having this awesome battle. And here's the thing. The suits in this movie are are both done in the original style of, of like, you know, the show back in the day with, like, little touches. But, man, these things are awesome. And the fight scenes are, I mean, you've watched, you and I have watched so much of this stuff. How would you, I mean, would you, how would you rate this fight scene? Uh, on par with you know, a common writer, a modern common writer show, a modern Super Sentai show. I mean, it holds up to this day watching it. It mm -hmm. doesn't, you don't look at it and go like, oh, that could have been better. No, it holds up just fine. Yeah. Fantastic. So now you're getting like, again, this feels like Higuchi was like scratching a childhood itch in many ways that uh, Shinji Higuchi was scratching his itch with uh, Shin Ultraman. <laughs> like this is just pure, like his, he's leaning his childhood out there. And this is, I mean, truly a nerd is making this movie because it is just, it's, it clicks all the boxes. Ridiculous attacks. Uh, Zabogar's, uh, like, little helicopter attacks. Like, he's got all the weapons, just guns firing everywhere. Uh, Daimon's fighting more uh, uh, cronies. And then, as the cronies turn on Miss Borg... They uh, they bring in their uh, secret weapon, which is this. <laughs> it's uh, it's unique. It, it's, it's a very it's unique guy. bad guy villain. So it's a it's a giant. It's no, it's not. I keep using. It's giant. a truck. It's a, it's a straight up it's truck, a truck. It's like it's like it's like, a Pins, it's like a Pinsky van. Yes, with this giant bulldog face and these two arms that come out of the side. And they, they're they like, you know, they tell it to capture, you know, the, uh, ca uh, you know, capture the, the should-be prime minister. They're going to take the glory. The, uh, throws the mistress. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zabogar is getting, uh, you know, he's, he's the, the tide's turning on him. The diarrhea monster is showering him with acid right now. Like he's just spewing acid on him. Zabogar can't take it. So Daimon, you know, commands him to do this gigantic like hurricane kick that he hits him so hard in the uh <laughs> No, 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 no. It is 
he tells him to do Muay, to do the Muay Thai kick in a <laughs> absolutely fantastic sequence. Zabugar just stands there for a second, and then all of a sudden, out of his head, you start hearing the uh, the the sound, the, like the music they played during Muay Thai fights. That I forgot the instrument they played, but it's like a zam, like like um, it's it's. I'm gonna butcher it, but when it you, if you like, watch, yeah. if you've ever watched a real Muay, not not I'm not talking like an MMA fight. I'm talking about like you go online and you watch a legit Muay Thai fight. They play music through Muay Thai fights. It's like a it's like a flute and some other stuff. Zabogar puts him gets up in a Muay Thai stance, but he's doing like the little dances the Muay Thai fighters do before they actually go into combat. And all these goons are standing around like, what in the F is going on here? And then all of a sudden, he does this flying knee, kind of like a cigar, like, you know, tiger kick. Turns around and does it straight to the diarrhea uh, robot. Hits him in the gut. Diarrhea. And the diarrhea monster sprays acid all, all over the goons and over two of the cronies. And they like they take or three I think it's three of the crones ends up taking them all out. Uh, Daimon ends up uh, you know taking out the the other two, and now the uh, the the bulldog the bulldog truck monster goes after the the politician. He throws his mistress in the way. She gets horrifically murdered by this thing. It eats her and it's just spewing blood left and right. He's next. <coughs> Zabogar comes in to save the day. Now he's got to fight this thing. And again, this is all inside the confines of a warehouse. But you have to absolutely bonkers. You guys have to understand that you're about to watch a guy in a human being in a a, a robot costume fight a, a real truck. An actual. It's if, if you're you've seen Zombie Two, right? Where yes. there's a where there's a zombie and a zombie shark. Versus shark, yeah. Yeah, so that's a that's a real dude underwater fighting a shark. Shark, a yes. real shark. This is a real dude in a costume fighting a real truck. <laughs> because it's not shark. CG. It's literally oh. they just mocked up this truck. The only thing CG about it is the arms that pop out. So the thing, it there's one there's one crony left. He tells the he tells the truck to attack Miss Borg for uh, ins, you know insubordination, so this thing lashes out its tongue, wraps her up, starts sucking her in, so she's holding on for dear life. Diamond, being the champion of justice he is, comes in and saves her, and she's like, "Why are you saving me?" And he's like, "Look, I'm a I'm a man of I'm a man of justice, and I cannot let you know a woman, you know, even if she's my enemy, be killed, and you know, like this." And she's like, man, maybe there are, maybe there are men of virtue out there still. Like it's, it is played so straight, but so corny and it like it is, it full on out of of a Togusatsu show. Like it is just over the top, but it is played, it's played straight. Saves her, Zabogar cuts the tongue, ends up fighting, uh, ends up fighting the truck. Uh, he throws the the last uh, of the Sigma henchmen into it, gets on top, finds out the weak spot is this. It's a it's a siren. It's a it's a siren. It's a police light that's on top of it. Beats it up, 
and the thing explodes, taking taking both the truck and the uh, the henchman out. So now there's no more henchmen; they're all gone. They've all been taken care of. And Miss Borg is now left. She's left conflicted because now she sees something in Daimon that she's never seen in another man before. She sees virtue and justice, and she's she doesn't know what to do about it. And uh, so she escapes. And Daimon's kind of like, hmm, that was weird. Like, again, he's kind of like Goku, where he's oblivious to everything else around him except for the fight. Yeah. <coughs> so <coughs> we cut back to the fortress, the, the testicular fortress. <coughs> Leader Sigma is just wailing. He, like, he's whipping her. And... Uh, She's like, why? He's like, I saw what was going on there. You have your, you got this little crush on Daimon. Like, I can't. And she's like, no, no, it's not like that. He's like, I have monitors everywhere. I can see what you see. Of course, I saw what I saw that. And he's, he's like, I made you, and I can destroy you. And he starts torturing her. And the way he tortures her, he starts, he hits her with this electric rod, like this, like this cattle prod. And every time it shocks her, her face starts to change. To all these different dudes, and I'm I'm 99%. It's just uh, Noboru. I know he's in there. He's in one of them. And it's like all of his buddies. They're just changing through. It's all of her ex-boyfriends when she was, you know, still a person. And she's like being tortured. She's like, oh no. So she's like, no, I will. I will defeat him. Like you let you know. Let me let you know. Give me one more chance. So we cut to. Daimon, like, Police he's, station, right? well, yeah, he, no, actually, he's back, he's back at the, uh, he's back at his secret right. base, <laughs> polishing up Zabogar, talking to him, and we find out that these two are, like, you know, they, they are, like, brothers, and he's, he's now conflicted, like, he's now feeling something, and he doesn't know what this feeling is, and he starts, like, telling Zabogar, he's like, I know, I must stay focused on the, on the mission, he starts punching him. He tells Zabogar, it's like, hit me back. And here's where they start giving, like, Zabogar, like, a legitimate personality. Like, they just, it's this mask, it's this deadpan look. But, like, he gives just this little, like, twitch of the head. And he's like, what? And Diamond's like, hit me, hit me. And so Zabogar gives him, like, a little bump. He's like, no, no, like, a hard one. <laughs> so he's, they start punching each other. All for the fact of, like, I need to stay in the game. And we smash cut to Zabogar back in his bike mode. Daimon is on top of him, eating a sandwich, crying, because he is still conflicted. He's conflicted with these newfound feelings, and he does not know what to do about it. So uh, the next day, uh, Miss uh, Miss Bork sets up a trap for him. <laughs> Daimon goes to uh, go meet her, and she now has her own transforming motorcycle that it, that it motorcycle transforms into her own robot, which is Blackhawk, <laughs> which in the show I found out is, was uh, like one of the last villains that they fight. And uh, this is, it's a girl robot because Miss Borg is riding her. So now there's this fight between Daimon and Miss Borg and Zabogar and Blackhawk. And, one of the most ridiculous moments, and this at just if this doesn't win you over, nothing will. Uh, Blackhawk's design has this little skirt around her waist, 
but she's built just like Zabogar. So you can't really tell. There's no like discernible sex differences. They're both robots, but clearly this one's a girl because every time it makes noises, it's very effeminate. And at one point, she kicks Zabogar and he punches her. And they, she turns around and she bends over and her skirt goes up. And you get a shot of her robot ass. It is nothing. There's nothing perverted about it, but it, at the same time, it ha it also happens to be like one of those perverted scenes too. And Zabogar starts like staring at it, like in his 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 brow twitches, and he's like liking what he sees. It's just like, wait, how can a robot be horny? These are the questions you're asking yourself at this point. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's it's so dumb, but you're you go along with it. And at this point, between the fight between Daimon and Miss Borg, they like inadvertently kind of confess that they have feelings for one another one another. And so they stop fighting and they both ride off. She's like, let me take you somewhere. So they both ride off on their respective robots. And they go to this cave where it's like her secret hideout where she gets away. And there's like a machine with knobs, like kind of like an old Star Trek, you know, with, you know, like the instincts arbitrarily turning them to look like they're busy. There's like a little bed. There's just, just random stuff set up in this place. And she confesses that she has feelings for Daimon. And Daimon, being the Boy Scout virgin that he is, does not understand the feelings that he is feeling. And she's like, well... You know, she's like, I want to feel you against my synthetic skin. And so they, she leans in and they start making out. And when you say making out. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we have to, we have to prep. So this has to be preference. We get a lovemaking scene, but. You, you say not, love scene. <laughs> oh, I say it in the most generalized terms, because this is definitely a lovemaking scene. But it is not, it's, 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 again, it's both crass and cartoonish without showing one bit of skin. Like there is absolutely no nudity in this whatsoever. But it's so insane. As she leans in to kiss Daimon, this snake pops out of her mouth and starts like smacking Daimon across the face. He's like, ah. Oh, Ah, ah. <laughs> but he's enjoying it. And then they make out a little bit more. The snake comes back out, starts like beating, beating on Diamond's head. Like it's just, it's a, it's a puppet too. Like out of like a mold of her head. And it's just like, again, the whole vibe is evil dead. Like it's just ridiculous. And another point, her breastplate opens up and all of these tentacles, like these, it's not even tentacles, they're like ribbons. These, these metallic ribbons come out and they're clearly like she uses them for attack, but she starts like whipping him like left and right and then tangling him up. And he's like feeling like ecstasy for the first time in his young life. And they lean in and kiss. And then it just kind of goes to black while both Zabogar and Blackhawk are outside of the cave, almost watching like this whole thing go down. So we cut away, we come back. There, again, another another just little 
just a little tidbit, like, because Diamond is such a Boy Scout. So he, was, he was a virgin. Like, he even says he's a virgin before they do this. Like, this is his first time. And it's almost like he's like a 14-year-old kid feeling, a, you know, getting, get, you know, seeing a, 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 you know, a boo for the first time. He's like, doesn't know what to do with himself. After they're done with their passionate lovemaking, the position that they're both in, again, these are little things that if you're not paying attention to, she's in the big spoon position position while he's laying against her and it's fantastic and they're sitting there talking and now they're like well what do we do now he's you know she's like i don't like sigma but you know we're mortal enemies and she's like why don't you come away with me like maybe we can rule the world together and he's like no i'm all about justice but he's like but i kind of like you not knowing you know again wildly conflicted when Zabalgar walks in and it's just kind of standing there like, bro, like, really? Like, you, you, you did this? Like, come on. It's that, it's that, you know, if you're living with a bunch of buddies and, you, you know, you know, they see the girl walk out and they're like, really? Her? Really? Her? That's, it, it's, it's like if you, it's like if you hooked up with one of your friend's exes and they find out the next morning, it's like, there's a there, there's there's a certain sense of shame and Zabalgar's like without any movement, without anything, he's just plainly judging Daimon. He's like, what 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 are you looking at? So this leads to one final attempt on the uh, on the politician's life. This time, uh, our uh, the evil leader Sigma has built three. Brand new cyborgs to aid Miss Borg in her mission. And these are three very pretty, very scantily clad, football themed mm-hmm. cyborgs. They are wearing they're wearing tackle helmets. They have shoulder pads on and the skimpiest like like booty shorts you've ever seen. And they got like these bolts just like glued to their face. It's it's ridiculous, and they tell her it's like you're a leader, but if you if you betray us, we are programmed to take you out. And so she's you know once again Miss Borg is put in a position she doesn't want to be in. But after all this, she you know feels a sensation in her. She's like, no, this is impossible. It doesn't you know doesn't do anything about it. So we smash cut to this uh, to the again a quarry. Much like you have to have in every battle and every show, because when you do the big explosions, you got to do it somewhere where it's going to be safe. <laughs> yep. So Diamond shows up with Zabogar. There is another robot for him to fight. <laughs> so they start taking on the uh, the the three sisters, the football sisters, and Miss Borg is now conflicted, and she's it, much like the scene in the Last Jedi. When uh, uh, Kylo Ren is telling Ray, it's like, no, join me. Like, we could do so much. And uh, he, you know, Diamond doesn't know what to do. So while Zabogar is trying to take care of these other, you know, other cyborgs, they're kicking foot. They're kicking these footballs. Like, they do these moves. It's, again, great, like, low angle shots like you get in, like, in the Sentai shows. You know, them running across the camera in like in a formation. They kick these footballs that explode. Zabogar is having to take them on. At one point, 
Uh, can they, you can you describe their bra? Uh, it looks like something Madonna wore in the eighties. But they have a power. A, well, they all have a power. Turns out. And uh, as uh, one of them has the uh, the the politician, how do I put this? A giant di- two dinosaur heads, like T Rex Velociraptor heads, come out of her breasts and start like chomping at him. Not like biting him, but it's just like frightening him. And it turns out they all have this ability. One of them has the dinosaur that comes right out of her ass. There you go. And she can she can fly like Gamera, like her legs detach and rockets come out of where her hips, you know, would be. So the police, the the special police show up and they're there to help Diamond. But they see Miss Borg and they're like, no, no, we gotta take them all in. Miss Borg's like, are you going to let them take me, your beloved in? And now Diamond's conflicted. He, for the first time ever, he has something more than justice that he cares about. And he doesn't know what to do. And she's like, that were me. Which one? Which one? And put in that position. And sometimes guys are put in by their girls. It's like, choose your friends or choose me. And you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And in a moment of weakness, Daimon turns Zabogar on, <coughs> on his allies in the special police. It's <coughs> Excuse me. Zabogar at first doesn't want to do it. He's like standing there. He's like, uh uh-uh. uh. And Diamond is screaming into his headset. He's like, you know, protect us, protect Miss Miss Borg. And so reluctantly, Zabogar starts beating up on the special police. And the cap the 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 captain and, and his and his uh, colleagues are like, What's going Diamond? What are you doing? Have you turned to the side of evil? And it's at this point that the Sigma Fortress shows up and this projection of the, of uh, their evil leader comes down and he <laughs> takes it much like <coughs> again, last Jedi lifted a lot of stuff from this movie. <laughs> so he uh, pleased to die. He's like, look, what, what are you doing? Like you're protecting this rotten, no good politician. A man who's going to lead this country, he is corrupt, he's a he's a womanizer, he's a cheat. Like, are you really risking your life for that? When you could join me, you could join Sigma, you could be with your your beloved Miss Borg, and together we could take down this corrupt system. And you find out exactly why, because he was, you know, he once was a brilliant scientist, and he went to work for the government and the government had him building this secret weapon that ended up blowing up in his face. And so that's why he's like half cyborg, but he pulls off the cyborg piece of his head, revealing this, the scar. So he's not really a cyborg. He's just kind of like a fan of the opera. Like his face is scarred and it's a constant reminder. He's like, why, why save this corrupt system when we could take it down? But Daimon still, he's, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, and even in this moment of weakness, he's like, I, I don't know. No, no, I will not join. And, you know, the doctor's like, very well then. And so has, uh, starts, um, uh, you know, he take, has his, you know, uh, three minion robots, the, the sexy ladies, and 
with their dinosaur boobs, attacks Zavogars. Zavogars like, okay, I can beat up on them, no problem. And so this giant fight ensues, ends up defeating them. <laughs> All right, I believe he defeat. Yeah, he defeats them. <laughs> and uh, now uh, uh, she he takes control of Miss Borg, and she's trying to tell Diamond something, but she can't quite get it out. And so Zabelgar and Diamond start, you know, they have this 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 tussle where they're 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 clashing together, and Diamond's conflicted by his by his love for Miss Borg, and his brotherhood with Zabelgar. And Zabelgar realizes I have to make the decision for us. And uh, starts crying. He starts yeah. crying. He's bawling like realizes like you are my brother Anakin like it's like. <laughs> Why did you put me in this position? Well, turns out that uh, you know, you know, the leader of Sigma had a failsafe device and detonates Miss Borg, blows her up, and takes Zabogar uh, uh, with her. So, and of course, just like every great villain, like at the end of the week when every villain is destroyed, there's the fall, and then the smash cut, and then the, just the ridiculous explosion, leaving Diamond. You know, crying to the heavens, and something goes flying, and we see this like orb, okay. like this this egg, and it lands. We get a peek in it, and there's a there's a fetus inside, and uh, Diamond is left defeated. He's taken away. the uh, The leader Sigma looks over. He's like, "Huh, that's interesting," and so beams it back up to his ship, and he takes off. And we get this voiceover from Diamond, I think, saying. At that moment, I thought I had hit my lowest. I thought the world was over. I thought, you know, my life is done. He's like, little did I realize it was just the beginning. And then, and then they we're hit, do, we're hit well, with the. Go ahead. Well, what are we hit with right at that moment? We're hit with the uh, to be continued titles. And then you're, the first time you're watching, you're like, what? You have to like you have to stop and check the 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 runtime. You're like, wait a minute, we're only like 40 minutes in at this point. Yeah. And then, yeah, so the to be continued, like the 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 kanji symbols show up, and they do the the um the bumper. They put yeah. the bumper art, and it's clearly the old bumper art for like when they went to commercial, and then they come back, and this is where this movie takes a turn that I was not expecting. And it's what really made me fall in love with it. Smash cut 25 years from now. And we're in Tokyo. And we, the now prime minister is in his car with uh, like, it looks like one of his pages. And we see Diamond driving. He's old. He's clearly like, he's pushing like his late forties he doesn't look great. He looks like a man's been smoking every day of his life. He's broken. He's Same a pathetic. Hair. He's a pathetic shell of a human being. Same and costume. He's, Same. He's wearing the helmet. He's wearing the jeans. He's wearing the vest still. Everything like he has not changed whatsoever. But he's just this pathetic, like old man now, and he's not paying attention to the road. And he slams on the brakes because he almost hits a woman. And the, the prime minister just berates him, tells him, like, you know what? You're fired. He's like, he's like, I took you in 25 years ago, and you've been nothing but a disappointment every day since. Gets in the car, takes off. 
least I'm on there to like realize maybe now I've hit my low. Like I have nothing left. I have nothing left in this world. I, you know, I did not get my, my revenge and he's still this gullible. He's almost still the gullible kid that he was like 25 years prior, but now he's just a dumbass. Like he's, 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 He's earnest to a fault, but he's just mired in depression. So he goes off to have a drink. And who does he meet while he's having a drink in this bar? It's his homies, the three detectives. Who are also now old as hell. Yes. All of them got fired from the squad after the incident because they went to bat for him. So none of them have been policed for 25 years. They're all there drinking. Diamond is drinking his woes away. They're like, you got a place to stay? He's like, I have nothing. They're like, come live with us. You're our friend. They take the three of them. One of them is in a wheelchair, by the way, now. And that's going to play a role later on in the film. They take them back to their one-bedroom little crappy apartment that they're all living in. Uh, it's it's just stacked with garbage. It's 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 a shanty. But they're all happy. They're like, you know, we might have lost everything, but we still have ourselves. We still have our friendship. So while this is going on, we smash cut to Sigma Fortress. It is now 25 years. And the evil leader Sigma is still trying to build this damn robot. They have captured scientists. Like They're taking the DNA from politicians and scientists and engineers and all they've gotten at this point is like a skeleton and like it the last bit they put in there are eyes and teeth. And the now this doctor is old as hell. But he's like, oh, we're so close. And up from behind him comes his new lackey. It's this young buck wearing all orange. Cocky as hell. But uh he looks he looks familiar. We're not we're not sure what the familiarity is, but we're, we do know that he is quite evil. His name is uh, uh, Akizuki. And he takes pride in being the number two in Sigma. So they reveal that uh, they are uh, they're close to finishing their doomsday project. They just need a little energy. And they have the one weapon, the one thing that is going to be used as the central nervous system of this giant murder cyborg. And that is this sweet girl named... Uh, Akiko. Her full name is Android Akiko. <laughs> Just pretty girl. Looks a lot like you know immediately. This is the this is the daughter of uh, of uh, Miss Borg and uh, and and Daimon. And you know they kind of even say as much. <laughs> and they're going to use her to uh, to you know be the nervous system and the the pretty much the brains of this. This kill bot. Well, she gets away. She breaks free because they're waiting for her murder intent to uh, to mature. So that way she would be fully ready to go. So she escapes, goes, and she finds Diamond. Takes him away with her. She grabs him off the street, takes him away with her rocket boots. Like she's just hauling ass through the air. And... <laughs> Diamond's like, I, I, what, what is this? What's going on? Actually, no, I, I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I completely forgot. There's there this the scene that led up to this. So Diamond is in a uh, he's in this office building. And he's trying to get his job back, 
and he is attacked uh, by uh, uh, Akizuki, who shows up to finish the job that Sigma started. And uh, so he and uh, Daimon have this ridiculous fight. And you can see Daimon is pathetic. Uh, he can't really hold his own anymore. There's no fight left him. And there's a point when uh, uh, Akizuki goes for like this finishing blow. He's like, wait. I was like, what? He's like, I forgot one thing that will even out this fight. And he's like, what is that? He's like, insulin. Because I've become a horrible diabetic with my terrible diet. And he actually takes – he gives himself an insulin shot that gives him like a little boost. So as this fight – explain how insulin works. <laughs> they go through this whole it, breakdown it of him. insulin. <laughs> the whole – like they do this quick shot of like – this is what it is. This is where I was created. This is what it's used for. And uh, after he takes it, he's like, wait. And I'm just like, what now? He's like, I need one more shot because I'm a diabetic. Like, he's just using this as an excuse now to get out of this fight. That's when Akiko shows up, grabs uh, uh, grabs Diamond, takes off with him, and she takes him to uh, a familiar cave. And... He's like, what? What the hell? Why did you bring me here? And she's like, does this place seem familiar to you? And he's like, well, yeah. It's like, this is, you know, I have memories of this place. And so she's like, well, let me show you. And so she projects this hologram of the lovemaking scene between him and Miss Borg. And it's the 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 ribbon smacking him in the face. Yeah. He's just here. He's just, and you just see him going, young him going, ah. Uh, Oh, he's like, man, look at me. I was so young, so vibrant, so full of life. He's like, wait a minute. Like, this is from Miss Borg's point of view. How in the hell did you get this? That's when she reveals, she's like, because I am the daughter of Miss Borg. And then he starts doing the math. He's like, what? And she's like, that means I'm your daughter as well. He's like, that's impossible. He's like, she's like, what? Well, it is because I'm here. It's like, I am the I am the living cyborg offspring of a full-blooded human and a cyborg. She's like, I'm this unique thing that, you know, Sigma wants to use me for their doomsday device. So Diamond is like in denial. He's like, there's no way. There's no way you could be my daughter. And uh, she's like, no, it's true. Well, Akizuki shows up. He, find, he was like right on their tail. Shows up on his bike. He's riding... Um, because he's riding uh, um, Black Hawk Nighthawk. now. Black or Nighthawk, Nighthawk, thank you. He's riding Nighthawk now. And uh, so he goes in for the attack when uh, Akiko stops him. She's like, wait. It's like, you can't do that. And he's like, why? Because he's like, you're what, have you become a traitor? He's like, no. And it's, again, right out of Star Wars. He's like, would you kill your own father? And he's like, what? He's like, he's your father. I, you know, it's like, we're brother and sister. He is your father. He's like, but I'm a cyborg. She's like, no. You are a full-blooded human. Like, you got this half, I got this half. So she takes after her mom, and he takes after his dad. That makes sense, right? Yeah, that makes sense. The logic all... makes sense. It kind yeah. of does. <laughs> so the leader, Sigma, has been lying to him all these years, telling him he's a cyborg and all this stuff, and he built him, but turns out, no, he raised him. It's the one thing, it's the most evil thing your enemy can do is take your children and raise them as their own. Which was a great subplot in like the third season of Angel. Um, God. <clears throat> so, 
uh, you know, Akizuki's completely in denial about this. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. I will finish what we've started with Sigma. And uh, reveals a rebuilt, brand new, with, you know, new chess piece, new new uh, color scheme. They rebuilt Zabogar. And, he's like, and Donald's like, how? And he's like, because, you know, the day that, you know, he was stroking his board. We, you know, Sigma, we stole him and we rebuilt him. And guess what? He's he's pretty pissed off that you uh, you broke the bro code. And you so this tell. leads to this. You can tell because his visor is slightly. It's slightly, slightly askew lower. to look like a. Yeah, it, to make him look mean. It's the robot version of uh, growing a goatee to show that you're evil. Yes, perfect. So. They end up, you know, you know, Zabogar and uh, Diamond end up fighting. You know, Diamond's trying to reason with Zabogar, and you know, uh, Akizuki sounds like there's, it won't work. He's only trained to obey me and me only. So, uh, Diamond is uh, is fighting for his life. Akizuki uh, steps in and uh, stops Zabogar by cut like kicking off his head. And she pleads with her brother. It's like, don't do this. He's our father. Like, we can't, you know. He's like, Sigma's been lying to us. We can't be part of this evil plot to, to destroy the world. And now he's completely conflicted. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. So he ends up uh, taking off. Like, he, he turns he, he turns and runs. So Akiko takes Daimon, who got knocked out with Zabogar, back to the one-bedroom apartment where all of his former police squad buddies are, or secret police friends are totally perving on his daughter because she, again, much like her mother is wearing the skimpiest costume you could find. It's a mini skirt, thigh high boots, and just very revealing top. It's, it's kind of modeled after like a, after like a school uniform, but much more risque. It looks like something you would see, in a late 70s tokusatsu show. Yeah, but a lot, a lot more skin. Yeah, it doesn't translate. Too and, much. yeah, so they're all, like, peeking behind. Like, she's trying to rebuild Zabogar. And so, like, she's bending over, and they're getting, they're, like, looking at her ass and everything like that. Daimon wakes up, and he's like, what What are you, he, like, admonishes his friends, like, what the hell are you doing? Get the hell out of here. So they have a heart-to-heart, you know, and he's, he, he finally comes to the realization, like, yes, you are my daughter, and he's like, well, what do we do now? She's like, we have to stop Sigma before, you know, they implement their plans. And she tells him what, what, you know, what's going on. Like they got this mega robot. They want to use me as its nervous system and destroy the world. So while this is going on, we smash cut to the prime minister's office. And he's having a meeting with the leader of Sigma. And, uh, He's using this as a way he's using he's making a partnership with Sigma to, as a means to remilitarize Japan. He's already proliferated uh, Japan with nuclear weapons. And now he just wants to get rid of the, uh, the act that keeps Japan from having a proper military. So he's going to use Sigma's attack as a reason. And he tells him, he's like, look, here's the deal. You can implement your, your plans, world destruction will pay you, you know, you take the fall like you know it's like we're you know you you realize you have to be the bad guy in this and the doctor's like of course of course that's when uh akizuki has like a 
he a moment of weakness. He burst out at uh, the doctor telling him, and he's like, you really want, you know, he's like, you lied to me and all this stuff. And that's when we find out the doctor has fail safes. This, vi this dumb, stupid poser visor that he's wearing because it looks like something that cool kids would wear. It's got this yellow symbol on the top of it, and it starts, like, lighting up, and it starts electrocuting him. He's like, you don't think I didn't have, like, fail-saves? Have you ever tried to betray me? So they're like, all right. So, you know, they the prime minister and Sigma shake on it. And so the plot is there's going to be a, a, a planned attack, and that way uh, the prime minister can implement emergency acts and get his way and remilitarize Japan. So in doing so... They managed to re to kidnap uh, Akiko, and uh, Daimon can do nothing but watch because Zabogar has not been rebuilt. So she gets taken back to Sigma Base, where she is merged with this skeletal robot. What is its final form? It's uh, it's her, but with. The costume looks a lot more like uh, her mom's, mm -hmm. but essentially the same costume, but with the boots. So oh, and she's giant. Yes, she's like way. she's like twenty stories tall. She's massive, and the doctor is like my plant. My 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 great weapon is finally complete. He's like I will now board because he's in a wheelchair. You know, he's in a wheelchair, and the wheelchair starts moving forward. And then it pulls out booster rockets out of the back, and he flies up into her belly button like he's piloting a mech. <coughs> he then launches her from the base. So it's this complete super robot launch sequence. She drops out and drops right on top of the diet, the diet building. And the uh, prime minister's like, all right, it's go time. And that's when, uh, his, you know, Sigma's first act, though, is to destroy the diet building. And in his last moments on this planet, he's like, but we had a deal. And <laughs> Sigma's like, I make no deals. Like, you got betrayed. You should have seen this coming, like, like a mile away. Like, I'm evil. This is what I do. <laughs> so he starts having giant Akiko uh, rampage for the city. And he had his weapon of choice with her is having her, she has a gigantic cell phone. And she starts talking to one of her friends, like she's like a 16-year-old girl, like talking to one of her, her gal pals. And she's just having this conversation while these purple rays just start emitting, like, out from her. And it starts affecting everyone around. They, they start, everyone starts holding their heads. We didn't talk so, about, uh, we didn't talk about another addition to this movie. Which is the, the the smile club? Oh, we're getting there. Oh, we're yeah. getting there because so while this is going on, Daimon he's trying to re rebuild Zabogar, and he's having that moment of like he doesn't know if he can do it. So his three police buddies are like, you know what? We will do it. For, you know, we will step in and you know save the day. He's like, we might be old, but we can still fight. And they wear these absolutely just asinine outfits. Even Diamond's like, what in God's name are you wearing? And it's these 
one-piece jumpsuits with like a big rainbow smile on them, and they had like the '70s scarves that like Ryoma would wear in Get a Robo. And they're like, we're the Smile Squad. They're like, we might be old, we might be, you know, on our last legs, but we can still bring a smile, and we will keep that smile alive. It's like we will go take on this robot for you. So they head out to the streets, where they witness the destructive power of these these purple rays emitting from uh, Mecha Akiko. And they start watching people hold their heads as like this purple energy wraps around and their heads start exploding into dust, just start popping left and right. And then they realize, Oh crap, we are way in over our heads <laughs> to the point. They start trying to fight back. It draws the ire of uh, the leader of Sigma he fires a missile out of Akiko's left breast at them. It hits the it hits the captain, takes him out. So the other two are left to figure out like what are we gonna do? And they decide this is gonna be a suicide run. And in doing so, they're like, you know what? We you know, we might be old, but we can do this. So the one that's in the wheelchair gets up out of the wheelchair, gets his buddy to sit in. And they're like, we have to take out that phone. So to do so, the buddy who was in the wheelchair is now on, the, he's resting on the handlebars. And, uh, you know, he tells him, it's like, this is, this is the last run. This is it. Are you ready? He's like, yes. For, you know, may, may we smile eternally. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like out of, out of freaking Mad Max when he's telling the war boys, like, you will ride eternally. Yes. Shiny and chrome. And how do they do this? Because they got to get up, you know, 25, 30 stories into the air. The cop puts his ass out, takes a lighter, and rips a gigantic fart. The fart catches fire and launches them like a missile <laughs> up to Akiko, Mecha Akiko and takes out her cell phone. And by the way, when they blow up the cell phone, her reaction is just like the most adorable thing. She's like, ah, like. Like kind of like a girl would react to a bug, like if it landed yeah. on her, she's like, "What? What?" Ah. So, Diamond sees his friend sacrifice. He's like, "No, it will not be in vain." He asks Sable guards, like he rebuilds him. He's like, asking, "It's like, will you fight? Will you forgive me? And will you fight with me one more time?" And this resurrects the Zabalgar of old. And so they realize, like, yes, this is one one last mission, one last mission to redeem us all. And so, Diamond changes, gets in his gear. Zabalgar's in his in his uh, bike mode, takes off. They go to uh, to uh, take on um, they go to take on Mecha Kiko. Well, there's one obstacle in the way, and that is his son. Akizuki. Uh, 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 Akizuki. Thank you. I'm stumbling on my words here. And so he realizes, like he's like, we don't have to, you know, Diamond Stone, we don't have to fight. And he's like, yes, we do. We have to see who's the better, who is the better combatant. So now they're having, as they're both driving towards their respective sister and daughter, who is 30 stories tall, they are having this motorcycle fight going back and forth. And it's just getting more and more ridiculous to the point they start approaching her. And at this point, Akiko is regaining consciousness, but losing it. It's like the programming takes over. She takes over and she's fighting herself over trying to maintain control. 
She noticed she sees her brother and her father fighting. She's telling them not to do it. They both race up her back legs on their respective robot motorcycles, up over her, over her, up over the side, over her back, over her shoulders. The the evil leader Simon's like, we're not having none of this. Takes control of her left arm, tries to swat Diamond. She blocks him, and now we have this bombastic fight between these four. So it's it's Nighthawk and Zabogar fighting uh, Azizuki and Daimon. And they are fighting on her. She's got this choker collar on. So that's the platform they are fighting on. And she's kind of like standing there, like looking down, watching the two of them, holding her hand back from swatting them, the one hand she can control. And these two are going at it. Zabogar and Nighthawk are having this midair battle. There's guns blazing. There's all these ridiculous robot attacks. Uh, Nighthawk gets the upper hand. Uh, Daimon gets, you know, gets knocked down and he's dangling precariously from the collar of his daughter. And uh, Akizuki's like, well, I finally shown you I'm the best man. And so explosion happens and they both end up falling. And Akiko takes over for a minute, grabs both of them, saves them, puts them back on her collar. And uh, Zabogar is injured and he's flying off. And she yells at Zabogar to to use this, like, special beam ray. So what she does, she leans over, puts her gigantic hand over these power lines, starts absorbing the power, and she shoots it at Zabogar, who recharges dramatically... (coughs) As a robot can. Flies to her head, lands on top, and now he's drawing his strength from her. This gigantic chest cannon comes out of him, charges up, and he blasts the living crap out of uh, Nighthawk. They manage to to, uh, overtake uh, Sigma. He ends up dying, and she, you know, Akiko realizes, like, I can't undo this. They're like, she tells both her brother and her father who have now made amends for their sister. And now that Sigma's gone, they're like, she's like, you have to take me out. Otherwise I can't control myself. Cause now she's completely going to like death robot mode. And when she does her head transforms, but into what looks like the robot head from the beastie boys. <laughs> intergalactic. Um, intergalactic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The mon- yeah. No, the robot. Head, the, the, and, she can't control it. It's, it's, she's firing death beams left and right at the city. And she tells Zabogar, it's like, you have to take me out. And they, oh, the three of them solemnly look on and realizing what they must do. And so Zabogar grabs both Akizuki and Daimon, jumps off with his rockets, and then just starts opening fire on her as they're falling down. Just black. The way it's done, it's ridiculous. And weirdly perverted at the same time too, because just the way that, you know, they're falling, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like he's like, he's kissing her belly button as he's going. It's, it's so subversively yeah. perverted, but it's, but you love it though. And so she starts glowing like, like she's the boss in a Mega Man game. And she realizes this is the end. And so you cut to inside of her, of her robot cell. She sees her mother. Her mother's there. She's like, look, 
You don't have to live for the sins of my past. Go live. Go live your life. And thus you find out that her mother separates her from the main robot. And as the as the giant robot explodes, this is the true end of, of Miss Borg. But having redeemed herself to save her daughter. And Akiko uh, is saved. And when, uh, when her father and her brother find her, she is freed from her cyborg augmentations. Her boots come off, her gauntlets come off, and all the little makeup effects, like the little rivets just all pop up, and she's like a normal girl now, except she's still got the headpiece that her mother had on. <laughs> and so it's at this point when, uh, you know, Daimon pretty much makes peace with his kids and uh, tells them, they're like, what are you going to do now? They're like, we're going to go live our life for the first time because they're both 25 at this point. Like they're not, they're technically not kids anymore. They're both young adults and they both, they're going to go wander the world while uh, Diamond and Zabogar try to reclaim some of that old glory. And we smash cut to like another 20 years in the future. Diamond is old as hell, still wearing the same getup. He's got a mustache. He's gray. And he's converted Zabogar into this like three wheeled. uh, It looks like a go-kart, but it's a wheelchair. Tells them to take off and they just fly into the camera. Credits. And through the credits, we get every single reference from the show that uh, Aguchi had used. Everything. Like, here's where I pulled this from. Here's where I pulled this from. Here's where I pulled this from. And you're sitting there and you're watching like, what in God's name did I just watch? But why am I so vastly satisfied and i'll tell you why uh, this is where I, I i come in on this because so much like our discussion on our first episode about common writer um um black sun this goes into like an area that you don't see with a lot of these you know kind with these shows where what happens when these guys age up like when they're not you know young and hot blood anymore. What happens when they hit middle age? And this movie actually starts asking some very interesting questions. I mean, it's a comedy, but it delves into lost glory, a living in the past, you know, letting one mistake, you know, like it, it, it's, still, it's juggling a few different like emotional beats, you know, it would, Diamond com- completely being a loser, like letting this one mistake completely ruin his life. If you're just watching it and you're not really paying attention, then you do lose a lot of that uh, subtlety and, and nuance and all this. So this movie does reward you for paying attention. Very, very much so. Like this is the thing I took away with that. First. I'm like, this movie has a few things to say about it's. It's actually a movie. It's quietly a movie about growing up. Yeah. And realizing kind of like leaving, you know, when you get old, there's a certain point when your 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 childhood dreams, you have to kind of leave them behind and you have to you you have to make peace with that. And in many ways, it's telling you don't live in the past. Otherwise, you'll you know, you, you know, you'll ruin your future. And it's in many ways what happens to Daimon. Like he's he can't get past screwing up, you know betraying, you know, Zabogar and the secret police, 
for uh, Miss Borg. But at the same time, I was asking, it's like, well, couldn't I have love? You know, like I tried to have it all and I got nothing out of it. And at points, like I'm sitting there I'm like, this, this movie's like quietly making like some poignant points. And it's also something that I had never seen up to that point. I had never seen done, with, which is what happens to these heroes when they age up, like when they retire or when they move on? Like, are they still doing this? So, I mean, the last few, I would say, what, the last decade or so, Toei especially has been doing these anniversary films for a lot of their Sentai shows where they bring back the old cast, you know, and they have these one-off <laughs> adventures Usually, like, tag team, like, re- what, God, it's been, like, what, 10 years since they did the, um, they started, like, crossing over, like, the Space Sheriff um, yeah. series. It's about 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Which, now I'm like, oh, God, man. So, you know, that that was, a, and this movie came out around that time that Toei really started, like, doing that kind of thing. I mean, ironically, we're talking about that, this very topic as the Power Rangers 30th anniversary movie just debuted on, on Netflix. And it, I, from what I've seen is kind of dealing with a similar theme, but I, I haven't watched it yet. I'm just going to, I have to watch it tonight because I have another, my friend's podcast to, to review it on, but I did love what this movie, you know, explored these, these themes and these ideas. And it does it in such a bonkers way that you're, you're thoroughly entertained. The entire time but at the same time it's also giving me a little something to think about and it this is when i say this was noboru gucci's most mature film i had seen to this point i haven't watched a couple of his newer films they just they're a little harder to get a hold of i don't know if he's actually moved on clearly the movie after this he did was called zombie ass so he did not he kind of went back to the to the smut well on that one but this one was you know first off there's a little bit of gore in this, but nowhere it's not it's not over the top. Like there's a little bit of blood, but it's not like you know it's not like Machine Girl, which is just loaded with you know with like squibs and you know blood spurting everywhere. There's a little bit there. There's a little bit of raunchiness, but there's also no like no one swears. Like it is played straight, like they are doing a an episode, like they remade an episode. And then we're going to tell you the second half of the story in modern times. <clears throat> and I got to give it to him, man. He handled this material very well. Like, I'll say this, like, Shin Ultraman. I love Shin Ultraman. But Shin Ultraman plays very much like Shinji Higuchi's, like, I finally get to play in the in the sandbox that I have loved my entire life. And that movie, you know, has, you know, themes to it. But it does more or less feels like I'm making a straightforward, you know, superhero film. Like that Ultraman is about brightness and hope and you know and and perseverance. Raguchi here is talking about like what happens if it goes the other way? Like let's let's explore some of these themes. What happens when your hero falls? What happens when he fails? And what happens when you are so you know, you're so focused on one thing, you forgot to live. And what a pathetic shell of a man does that make you? And it's, it blew me away. It still blows me away watching this. I'm like, because again, it had been a, been a minute since I, since I seen this film, but I'm like, I, I, I'm like, okay, did these, did these themes still play? Through? And 
my God, do they do they they play through even more this time around? Now that I know, I'm really looking for them. And it's exactly like there's a heart and soul to this film. It's more than just a cheap cash grab. This is you know most of the sushi other sushi type typhoon movies were essentially like we're making you know some cheap entertainment. This this was not that. This is like akin to back in the day. Mm, in the 70s and 80s, during the height of Roger Corman's prowess, when he strictly was being a producer, and he would, you know, give young and upcoming, you know, directors like, a, a, he's like, I will give you a place to cut your teeth. <coughs> I'll teach you to make a movie on a budget, and I'll give you essentially all the creative freedom you want as long as you just hit these marks Delivered on time and under budget. And that's where you got, like, Francis Ford Coppola cutting his teeth. That's where you got Ron Howard. Ron Howard's first movie was Grand Theft Auto for for Roger Corman. And it was like, and even Tommy was like, I learned, you know, I got to do everything I wanted under Roger Corman that no other studio at the time would let me do. And, you know, people, you know, you talk to anybody that knows, like, Howard's, like, filmography, Grand Theft Auto, yes, it's it's a schlocky B movie, but it's a B movie with heart. Like you can see, you know, Opie's talent for filmmaking come through. And Higuchi really feels like he was given something. They're like, just here's the things you got to make. It's got to be ridiculous. It's got to be this. It's got to be at this budget. But go sick. And even though he's playing with like a property, I'm assuming because it's so. Like even it feels like even for Japan, it's it's very niche. Yeah. And so he was given much more freedom to like really play around and do some wild and insane theme, insane themes. At the same time, kind of relive also reliving his childhood. I don't know what 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 did you think? I think that the difference between these, like when I think of this, I think of Cutie Honey. I think of. Uh... Uh, Cass Hearn, a lot of these mid-2000s remake movies, the difference between these movies and, say, a Shin Ultraman or Shin Godzilla is they're both played straight. Mm-hmm. But in the in these movies, in these mid-2000s remakes, they try to modernize it mm-hmm. and they try to take it a little too serious. Catherine especially. Especially Catherine. Yeah. Uh, then Karate's Bogart take, plays it straight. It's the best way I can describe it is a a longer episode, a long two episodes of the original series, but directed and shot like a modern movie mm-hmm. or a modern TV show. Um, and they do touch on on things that I don't see a whole lot of on other Tokusatsu shows. Like getting older, um, sexism. Uh, you know, uh, you you see, you know, father daughter, uh, you know, kids here and there, but the way it's touched on this movie is very different and very, like you said, very earnest, very honest. Um, like there, there, there's a there's there's a, there's a soul to this movie. Like it's it's yeah. got it. It actually has like some heartwarming moments. In all of the insanity. And I think that's why the insanity, you know, the sheer goofball moments in this movie, I think that's why it works even more because at times it's balanced by 
by its just sheer earnestness I think, what it's trying to accomplish. I think what takes me back, well, what kind of threw me off on this one was I remembered watching this movie and having a certain memory of it and now rewatching it and talking about it. This is a way better movie than it has any right to be. Very much so. This has, this is a, a I think this is a, I would say it's a genuinely good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I mean, it clicks every, it checks off all the crazy stuff I want to watch. Like, I want to see some crazy batshit things. I want to see, you know, uh, concepts and I want to laugh a little bit. It, it gives you a lot of that. Um, and it rewards you for paying attention. And that's, that's the important part. I think, and honestly, in many ways, I think this accomplishes what Anna was trying to accomplish with Cutie Honey better. Yes. Because Anna was trying, you know, Anna was doing, you know, you know, we and we talked about it. If you want to listen to it, it's a couple episodes back. But uh, in that movie, you know, he's, you know, not not only is he paying homage to one of his heroes, he's paying homage to the great Gona guy, but he's also, you know, using, you know, you, you know, using his own, you know, techniques that he's learned to make a giant cartoon. And at moments, you know, he's trying to have some, you know, moments of earnestness in it. But he can't get away from the cartooniness of it all. Where Iguji, I believe, I'm, I'm, I, he, he nails it. He nails it like he sticks the landing hard on this movie. Like when I walked out of this the first time, I remember feeling like, I'm like, I've not seen anything like this before. And this is like, this is the thing that I do miss about this era. Um, late, the early two, the late nineties, early two thousands, there was like a big wave of independent films, especially out of Japan. Japan had a lot of great stuff coming out. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit and, you know, Korea took over. Korea was putting out some stuff. That's, you know, the, the era of old boy. Thailand was putting out, um, you know, they had their their martial art, martial arts renaissance, which upped and then died as quickly as it came. So watching this like in 2010, 2000, where things were starting to like. It was starting to get hard to find those those kind of like wacky movies that. that were being original, they were they were trying new things, they were on a limited budget with. But trying to do something with that budget. You know, it's, you know, as we mentioned before with the other Sushi Typhoon films, like they, they, they knew what they were. They're, you know, these were pieces of schlock entertainment were done on the cheap. Some of them work. Some of them don't. I, I, Machine Girl for me is the one that works the most um, besides Karate Robo Zabogar, which I believe was the last of uh, the Sushi Typhoon movies. I think this was the last one released because I, I, if memory calls, this thing came out on DVD we were supposed to get the Mike film that never happened, and then this kind of faded into obscurity. And the, I believe Nikatsu closed the label because they just—it wasn't doing what they had hoped. Um, you know, 2012, 2000—you're at the advent of streaming becoming a thing, like legitimately. Like Netflix is now like, hey, you don't have to do the DVDs anymore. You can watch everything, and they were the only game in town at that up to that point. Like I don't even think Prime Video was quite a thing yet. Maybe Hulu, maybe, but... I think Hulu was just entering the market around that time. So you didn't have much. And 
it felt like everyone was kind of like in a holding pattern creatively, like Hollywood, Japan, everyone was just kind of like, we're kind of making these bigger, but it, it was definitely the start of the bigger budget era where, especially you Hollywood. A, you think it was a transitional period? It definitely, definitely was a transitional period. I mean, look, there was, there's, there, there are definite gems that were in there. I mean, around this era, that's, um, you know, Speed Racer came out. Yeah. Uh, you had the Dark Knight, which kind of changed everything. Iron Man changed everything, but we hadn't seen the ripple effects of that quite yet. We were starting to, um, like in Japan, like again, we were starting to move away from traditional animation into like more CG based stuff. Looked like garbage, still kind of looks like garbage, but they gotten better. Like the last like great like around that time that like anime that blew me away was Redline. And that was a movie like a couple a year earlier, yeah. About a year earlier. And I walked well, again walked into that blind. Absolutely blind. Had no idea what that movie was about. I was covering the Newport Film Festival. I had just watched Troll Hunter. And they're like, yeah, the guy that was the programming, I had been talking to him all day. He's like, Hey, are you coming for Redline? I'm like, What is it? He's like, It's an anime movie. I'm like, What's it about? He's like, To tell you would kind of ruin it, but it's by Madhouse. I'm like, Oh, okay. Madhouse, yeah, I'll go watch it. That's all he sold me on. Not knowing what the hell it was going to be, and I sat in that movie, and when it was done, like, m my brain was on the other end uh, of the auditorium. I'm like, I, I had to sit there for a second, real, taking in the visual smorgasbord that I just saw, and it reminded me of all the best things of Speed Racer, just cranked up. So there wasn't, so I was itching for things. No kaiju stuff right now. There's absolutely, the, the stuff that was coming out, you had like Death Kappa. Like these yeah. just, it, it was it was such a dry period. You know, you would get things here and there. You know, I, I still had Wes Anderson movies to look forward to, but nothing the, creative. The Rego movies were coming out or Rega versus Yamato, I think was a, a deal. I think, yeah, that Again, was, there was, and uh, you, had the, you had a couple Ultra, you had a couple Ultra movies. The Galila one was yes. coming out, and that's like, I think that, oh, wow, right? Yeah, uh, by um, Minoru Kawasaki. I think that's that's the guy that's responsible. That He did uh, Calamari Wrestler. I think it's Minoru Kawasaki. Um, I know some people listening to this are probably like streaming. It's like, no, uh, but um, I digress. Do you like Galila Strikes the G11 Summit? Like, you like that movie? I had fun with it. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, again, there was, it felt like it was trying to do what Zabogar was trying to do, but just on a much cheaper budget. And it didn't quite know how to balance the parody and the weird environmental message and anti, you know, the pol the po political, um, spoofing it was doing where this, this did like, I walked out and I'm like, man, I, I need more stuff like this. I, and I mean, two years later, we get um, Pacific Rim. Yeah. And then we get, you know, the legendary Godzilla. And then Toho goes like, oh, hey, we're getting back into the game. We get Shin Godzilla. And we kind of just moved away. And we moved into the era of the blockbuster. Like, it became like the, the 80s renaissance where we're just nothing but blockbuster movies. Like, gigantic Bud Temple films. And at first... You know, it's like, hey, when you're a kid, you get an icy for the first time. 
you pound that thing down. It's the most delicious thing. And you're like, I want another one. And you have another one. And that's great. And you have four or five. And you start getting that sugar gut. And you realize, oh, I made myself sick. That's kind of where we landed right before the um, the lockdown. Everything had to be put on pause. Now, there's still inklings of things out there. I've, you know, I, I go to an art house like once a week. And, I'm you know, especially when something new comes about. The last thing that truly blew me away that was like a great independent feature out of Japan was One Cut of the Dead. Another movie I walked into nearly blind. I knew what the gimmick was. And I'm not going to give it away here. But I walked out. It's like this one. I'm like, this movie is, that movie was magical. Like I, it, the last time I felt something like that where I just discovered something was watching Versus for the first time. I'm like, how did I, like, this blew me away. This is fantastic. So we only have these little things here and there. Like, horror had got real stagnant. Everything got stagnant, but there was this shining beacon that was Karate Robo Zabogar still out there. And now, like, again, there were things. There were definitely things. I could probably go back and look at, you know, through my list that I kept over the years, but the era of like the independent felt like it just died. And it's, you know, to me in many ways, it doesn't feel like we've, we've regained that like in the eighties and nineties, especially out of Japan, man, when you had guys like Tsukamoto making freaking um, Tetsuo, you had people literally working on shoestring budgets and being wildly imaginative. <coughs> you know, the, you know, like what Robert R. Reeves tell everyone, it's like, we're, Work with what you know and work within the confines of how much you have. Don't worry about the, the money hose. Be creative. And uh, look, I got a collection of a thousand DVDs or more. And so I got a bunch of this stuff. And, you know, I got a lot of these weird little movies that came out of Japan around that time. You know, some of them we will be talking about down the road on the show. This feel like the closing... It really felt like the closing chapter of that era. That's my long-winded spiel about where I was going. This really did feel like it closed a, an, an era in Japan that we just don't see anymore. Yeah. Which is a damn shame. I I think this movie is, again, it's, has, it's way better than it has any right to be. It is uh, the best movie coming out of Japan in a transitional period where there wasn't a whole lot of like, oh my God, I know, you know, it's, uh, these are our opinions, but, you know, I think the the biggest blockbuster uh, around that time was uh, Space Battleship Yamato, the live action one, and then the 2199 OVA series. Um, I think Gundam Unicorn was coming out. Uh, again, this is, oh God, this is 10 years ago now? 12 years ago 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah. Uh, I, I I really remember what I ate yesterday for breakfast. So, yeah, no, it was it was definitely like for everyone at that point, you know. It was yeah, it was very much a, a weird transitional period where we kind of gave up on on you know micro budget filmmaking. We would come back around to it years later, but it's strictly seems strictly for horror. Like no one's really trying anything new, and the problem is when you're doing micro budget horror. Throat is very dry because I rant a lot. Excuse me. 
problem I have with it now, especially when I'm seeing things that are trying to get this aesthetic, they're, the last thing I saw that understood this aesthetic and got it right was Psycho Gorman. Like yep. trying to balance the ridiculousness with, you know, over the top, you know, over the top, but still, but still trying to have something to say. There's stuff like Turbo Kid, things like that, where the entire time they're like winking at the camera. It's clearly tongue in cheek. And, you know, I said it earlier and I'm going to repeat it again. A lot of modern filmmakers, they want to recapture the glories of the 80s, but they don't understand what made those movies good. They, you know, they see them as like, oh, these are bad movies. So we'll just make it like that. It's like, and this is why they fail time after time. I've sat through so many shitty micro-budget horror movies that I'm just bored to tears by. I can see exactly what the filmmakers are trying to do. And it's not impressive. It comes off as hackneyed at times. And it's it's just sad. <coughs> Excuse me. It's kind of sad what what everything's become now because everyone feels like they're just rehashing the thing that came before it. And we, the studio system's completely uh, guilty of this. I mean, there's just nothing but like I mean, there are, there's newer horror that seems to be the thing that you know is original that seems to be sticking with people. But then you also have. Yeah. Did you watch Smile? Smile? Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. That's what I heard. I my buddy saw it. And I, you know, he goes to the movies every week. We talk. We speak. We speak in movies. And uh, I was like, what was he? he's like? Probably one of those boring movies I've ever seen. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then something happens, and then credits. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like the exorcism of Emily Rose. He's like, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Where it's a long, drawn-out movie, and you got this awesome five-minute ending, and you're like, why wasn't this the whole damn movie? So, you know, and again, like, I've gone and seen things like, I saw Upgrade, like, a couple, you know, right before the lockdown. I thought, this oh, wow. is a solid movie. Like, I enjoyed it, but, like, it was missing something. Like, there was definitely, like, you could have gone further with this concept, and I don't. It doesn't feel like you went as far as you could go with it. And it just have, you like, seen, like, have you seen the visitor with Dan, the Dan Stevens? One? Yeah. No, I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you'd probably like that. I saw your next, and I've watched nine tenths of Adam Wingard's Blair Witch. Of, of ironically, of which I kind of, I mean, like, I was like, eh, okay. I forgot it's about fine. it. Well, do you remember Blair Witch 2? Yeah, the best one. <laughs> the meta one? <laughs> yeah. Um, Does it completely disregard it? Is it like a, yeah. like a Matrix it, 4? It, yeah, it's, for, oh my God, yes. It's very much like a really? Matrix okay. 4. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's meta. Dude, we had it, I was working at a theater, we had that movie, and I remember watching a couple of times, I'm like, why would you go in this direction? And I kind of blocked it out for the longest time until I sat down and watched Burn Notice. I'm like, wait, you're the guy from Blair Witch too. So, <clears throat> oh, the main dude. Yeah. Huh. Um, Good for yeah, him. like working. That's great. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I I lament what I see now. Like that that was the promise. And we're gonna wrap this up because I don't want to keep going, getting too long winded with it. But 
this was the promise of of streaming. Streaming was supposed to be the hey, you don't have to worry about box office. You can do whatever you want. Like they were going to give creator, you know, filmmakers full creative freedom. And that experiment did not really work out. Like there's been some good stuff on streaming, but man, there's a lot of stuff that's repetitive. It's like, did you really need eight episodes for this? This felt like three or maybe a movie that you stretched out. Everything does. It's that same, like something starts, let's flash back. So we can flesh out the characters and then give you about five minutes of progression on the main story each week. Uh, it's just, it's not, it's not for me. It's not, it's not a thing I, I enjoy. And there are times like, you know, I see something I like. I watch Troll. The, um, the new one. Yeah. Not as good as Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter is original and wild and probably one of the best found footage movies ever made. Troll is a fun film. It's pretty much, you know, the Emmerich Godzilla, but with a big troll. Yeah. But I thoroughly like it. I'm like, if this thing had ever been released in theaters, it would have been been slashed you know but at the same time like you know netflix would give unlimited budgets to guys like martin scorsese and then you sit there and you watch the irishman you're like this could have used a little liberal use of the scissors on the cutting room floor like and maybe there is a reason like sometimes a producer comes in but a lot of times they fuck they, they fudge up everything but there are also times when they're like yeah you know this this is a little self-indulgent much like John Wick 4. Ooh. Ooh. Not a fan. Not a fan. Hmm. Okay. I'll just say, I'll just say, that. I love John Wick 1 through 3. Uh, my only quip with 3 is that it was starting to get a little, a little repetitive and indulgent in what it's doing. But it's fine. It's a great movie. Ends on a fantastic cliffhanger. Part 4 is, was the, there's, great moments in it but overall that movie does nothing new it repeats like it feels like terminator dark fate where it's just kind of like taking you know elements from the first three movies and like mashing them together i'm like i remember sitting there watching like we're doing this and we're doing this again and we're doing this again and i'm like john i've watched you murder 800 henchmen and the killing is starting to lose its effect. Like, I'm no longer, like, you got to know when to end it. That's where the raid does best. The raid knows when to end, okay. gives you just the fights long enough, and then stops. It doesn't overstay its welcome. John Wick does. But it's for another time, for another day. I want more karate. I want more originality like Karate Robo Zabogar. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree with more karate Zabogar. Yes. Not about John Wick. <laughs> But that's another day, another time. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. This whole podcast is about movies that we think don't get talked about enough, don't get enough recognition. And this, the shining star example of of Tokusatsu is that does not get enough recognition is this movie. Um, Very much so. That being said, we highly recommend this movie. Um, it's streaming um, on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. So this is uh, much easier. Uh, unlike Half Human, which we watched last time, this one is very easy to get a hold of. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, that being said, next week, uh, to get ready for Shin Kamen Rider, we are going to be reviewing two episodes 
uh, for you, handpicked by us. Uh, we're well, not going to do like we're not going to do like one and two or whatever. Let's let's be honest. The common writer, aficionado, is choosing the episodes because even I have not <laughs> seen these episodes. Uh, I was being okay, shamed well, a little bit. I was being shamed a little bit, and he's like, "Well, we got to do common writer." I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm down." I'm like. We're gonna watch all fifty-two episodes, and you're like, no, no, no. We're let's be realistic here. So, yeah, the the original idea was to do the first two episodes, and that's when you went, no, no. That's what that's what amateurs would do. We're not doing. This is an amateur hour. So you have picked two episodes, even I don't know about yet, but we will reveal once we sit down to watch uh, to review them. Yeah. Uh, yes, there there are two. There are two episodes that I think define Common Rider. Uh, All right. And I think they're they're just as over the top as Dungeons and Bogar and also slightly, you know, if you if you pay attention to these episodes and you watch them through, you will be rewarded. All right. Um, yeah. Well, I look that forward to said. So now that we're going to wrap this up, uh, as always, if you like what you hear, uh, feel free to contact us. We are online. Uh, you, we're at the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Uh, this show's feed is under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast feed. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe. As you're listening to this brand new episode out, uh, actually should be out from like a week from the you're hearing this. And uh, we are over the moon because uh, as, we, as we as we recorded, literally as we finished, New gigantic news dropped of the new Godzilla Kong movie. So uh, that is talked about in there. So there's a new monkey. Did you know that? Lanky Kong? Well, that's the thing. People think they're like, oh, he's an orangutan. I'm like, that's not an orangutan. That's a chimp. If you know anything about chimps, they're far more vicious than gorillas. And they're just as strong. So... There's a lot to be, there's a lot discussed on there along with a bunch of other uh, kaiju news. Um, but yes, subscribe under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast because we share the same feed. It's the sister show. Uh, find us on Twitter at the Kaiju Kingdom, on Instagram at the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, and Facebook as well, facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. You can, you know, contact us there. Leave some reviews. Tell us, let us know what you think. And as always, uh, I lost my train of thought because I'm kind of, I start rambling on there. But that being said, <laughs> that'll do it for this edition of Common Kaisers for myself and Adiani Nojosa. Thank you so much for listening in and go, go watch Dungeons and Boga right now. Still getting, we're getting, we're getting. Don't worry, it took George and I uh, 20 tries to